opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that, that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. So here, Simeon is acting as a prophet and giving a prophecy about um, Jesus. And Jesus is in a recognized authority, and the parents are thinking, this is a prophet. This is somebody of authority. We want, them to, we want him to bless our child. And so they're bringing the children to Jesus so that he would hold them and bless them, speak a good word over them. And the disciples' reaction to this, to the parents' zeal, was not good. The disciples have a zeal for God, but their zeal isn't according to knowledge, is it? They are acting as Jesus' bodyguards, and they're protecting their celebrity, and their celebrity is Jesus, and they're protecting his, him, and they think that Jesus needs to be free from intrusions, and children, they're probably wasting his precious time, and they might be derailing Jesus' mission, which was to teach and to heal, and certainly these children are just a nuisance. They're probably bothersome, and so Jesus has got to get a lot done today, and the children are just kind of in the way. Wow. Well, how does, how does Jesus respond to that? What we see is that Jesus is royalty, but as a king, he's a humble king. He didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so he rebukes them, the disciples, and he says, let the children come to me and do not hinder, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. I wonder if we view the children's ministry of the church the way Jesus does. Or do we see it kind of as a holding tank or a way that so that the adults aren't being distracted and so we have this children's ministry but it's really not a, a huge priority or not top priority. Do we think of children as a nuisance? Well, Jesus doesn't. D.L. Moody was a great evangelist <clears throat> from Chicago and he once returned from a meeting and he reported that there was two and a half conversions. And the host said to him, you mean two adults and a child, I suppose? And Moody's reply was, no, two children and an adult. The children gave their whole lives. The adults, the adults only gave half of their life because the other half was already used up. You see, children are giving their whole life to Jesus. So Jesus comes along and he has, we are only told one time, only once in the whole Bible does it say Jesus was indignant. Right here. Jesus is indignant. He's indignant at the disciples. And so he's, he rebukes them and says, let the children come to me. Do not Hinder them, don't stop them, forbid them, withhold them, keep them back, make it hard for them. No red lights, no yellow lights, only green lights for Jesus. And so he makes it clear that to such belongs the kingdom of God. God's reign is breaking in as Jesus comes to earth and he comes to tell us about his kingdom of which he's the king. And he, Jesus tells us how to enter the kingdom and who can enter the kingdom. You remember the very first words out of Jesus' mouth when he began his public ministry? He shows up and he says, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. It's here. 
repent. Let go of your kingdom. Let go of your little plans, your little agenda for your life, your little kingdom plan for yourself. Let it go. Repent. It's now about his agenda, his rule, his reign, his priorities. It's not about us. No more Jonah-like pity parties where we live for plants that, and pity plants and not people. We're to have big plans where we love cities and we love peoples and we love what God's doing. That's the idea of repenting. Jesus comes bringing in his kingdom and then he tells us how to enter the kingdom and who is a part of that kingdom. And Jesus' kingdom, we see, it's not restricted. It doesn't have an R rating. It's not PG-13. It's not PG. It's G. It's for everybody. Children are not just welcome, but Jesus says, for of such belongs the kingdom of God. Children, I want you to hear this. You know what my favorite word in this whole text from verses 13 through 16, I want you to look at those verses if you can read, and I want you to pick out your favorite word of all those words. What do you got? My favorite word is the word belongs. What a great word. The king of grace and the king of glory is saying to you children, you belong. It's for you. You don't need to wait until you're an adult. You don't need to wait until you're in middle school or high school or in college ministry or when you get older or when you've arrived. It belongs to you. The word belongs, it's, think about this word, belongs. It's, it's a don't mess with kind of word, isn't it? I mean, if your teacher ever says to you, don't touch that because it belongs to her or it belongs to him or don't mess with her, she belongs to him. It's a don't mess with kind of word, isn't it? Some of you guys might remember the story that I told of the time that I was at Sam's Club and I was purchasing one of the flat screen TVs for our church. And I went for one of the manly carts. You know, you've got like the normal carts for groceries, but then you've got these manly carts that are low to the ground. They're about three times as heavy and they're great for like something big and heavy that you're really not manly enough to pick up into the cart. So I got one of these manly carts and I got this big TV that's on one of the rolling trays that's, and you'll see these around the church. Well, I purchased this TV and I went out to my car and if you know Sam's, it's on a hill, which I knew. So I made sure that I positioned my manly cart sideways and I began to unload this TV and I put it in the back seat of my car. And then when I was done, I turned to the cart and it was gone. And I thought to myself, man, the guy working the lot, he is on the ball. Like, he, he got my cart already. Man, he, this place is great. And then I looked, and my cart is going down the hill. And at the very bottom of the hill was a incredible-looking four-wheel drive, nice rims, big lift kit, very expensive truck, and my cart is going right for it. 
And I was running as hard as I could and as fast as I could to get to the cart because I knew that whoever has a car that nice and that big, it belongs to him and he's going to kill me because this was, I was just thinking Bubba is going to kill me. Bubba is going to kill me. And I took off running as fast as I could and I caught that cart before it hit the car. And what do you think the first thing I did was, kids? I looked around to see if anybody saw it. That's what I did. And sure enough, the guy working the lot, he looked over and nodded his head and said, I saw it. <laughs> he knew I was in big trouble. It belonged to him. And I knew I needed to take, do something serious about protecting that car. Well, Jesus is doing something to protect the kingdom and who the kingdom belongs to. And he, there was an impediment. And the impediment was not the Pharisees. The impediment was not unbelievers, but it was his very own 12 disciples that were the impediment that were the problem. And Jesus is, is sticking, he, he's, he's so passionate here because he knows that the kingdom belongs to them. And when you think about this, Jesus is saying, that not only are children a part of Jesus' kingdom, he's saying you belong to him, but he's also saying his kingdom belongs to you. That's pretty important. And then he gives an explanation. He says in verse 15, Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom like a child shall not enter it. Now what is that telling us? There's a lot about children that we love. Children are not pretentious. They're not cynical. They're not doubting or suspicious. If I pulled a piece of candy out of my pocket and I said to them, you know, would you like a piece of candy? What would a child say? Yes. <laughs> he'd say yes. He'd probably say, may I have another one? You know, afterwards. He might say thank you afterwards, but they would want the candy. This is a halls, by the way, so this won't really work, okay? But if you were to say the same thing to an adult, the adult would say things like, how many calories does it have? You know, does it have red dye 40 in it? You know, this is a question. Adults are much more uh, suspicious and much more uh, cynical. And so Jesus is holding out salvation to all who come to him. And children have a much easier time seeing their need for it. Children realize often much quicker than adults that they need forgiveness. Children recognize often much quicker than adults that I'm a sinner and I need to be washed and made clean on the inside. And I can't do that for myself. Adults often don't think that they need Jesus' blood and righteousness, that they need his blood to wash them and then his righteousness to cover them. Children are humble, and adults are often more stubborn. And Jesus says, whoever does not receive the kingdom like this child in humble dependence shall not enter it. The thing about children is they are totally dependent on their parents. Jesus wants us to be totally dependent on him like that. Do you know that you need him this morning? This isn't just for children now. This is for adults as well. Do you know he's the only one who can save you? 
The children's catechism says this. I want you to hear this, kids. Questions 37 to 40. Here, the, here they are. Here's the question. What does every sin deserve? What do our sins deserve? Answer, the wrath and curse of God. That's bad news. Next question. Can anyone go to heaven with this sinful nature? Answer, no. Our hearts must be changed before we can be fit for heaven. What is a change of heart called? Answer, regeneration. And then the last question, 40. Well, what can change a sinner's heart? The answer, the Holy Spirit alone. Only God changes hearts. And so these disciples thought the children were a distraction, and Jesus says they're an example. And so Jesus is getting indignant because he realizes this is how we all must come to Jesus as an example. The children are the example. We must come humbly and depending, dependent upon him. As I mentioned at the beginning of the service in studying these passages afresh, coming to realize that Jesus has an unbelievably high value on children. And if that's what Jesus thinks about children, then so should we. Many of Jesus' miracles were done to help children. He healed the nobleman's little son in John 4. It was Jairus' daughter who was dead, who he raised from the dead and said, Talitha kum, little child, arise. The man who cried out in Mark, you remember the guy who says, I believe, help my unbelief. Well, it was his little son, his boy, who was demonized, and Jesus healed the boy. Jesus never has one bad thing to say about children. He has plenty of bad things to say, though, about anyone who messes with children, causes them to stumble into sin, or hinders them from coming to him. We're in big trouble with Jesus if we do that. And Jesus never hints about an age of an accountability or an age acceptable for children to begin to worship. He makes it clear that God has prepared or ordained praise from children, and it even says nursing infants. Can you believe that? That's what Jesus says. You may recall, as I mentioned at the beginning of service, it was the children praising Jesus in the temple that made the Pharisees so indignant and Jesus quoted Psalm 8 and references it to himself about God ordaining praise from babes and infants. And so one of the application points for us this morning to consider, if the kingdom of God is for children, which it is, should not the worship service also be for children too? And so we're going to continue to do children's church as a church. We're even extending it a little bit with the age, but we're also going to be bringing the pastoral staff in there, and we're going to continue to, to do that. But there's ten things, or five things I want us to consider. I cut it in half. Five things I want you to consider this morning, okay, as an application. Why should children be in worship? Well, we want our children to be exposed to the means of grace. Our children won't understand all of it or most of it. There's a lot in Incredible Twos that kids didn't catch either, that only adults will catch. But they start to pick up on things, and children are often, it's often caught and taught. You know, if you watch parents and children often imitate their parents, 
the, the, the children will often root for the team that their parents root for. I mean, Michael's not here today, but Michael roots for the Phillies, even though he didn't grow up in Philly, but his dad is a little bit of a Phillies fan, in case you didn't know. You know, he was texting me at the game the other night, letting me know how bad the, the Nats were looking, you know. And um, so his children love the Phillies because their parents love the Phillies, and they learn to catch this. Your kids probably love the, the New England Patriots. Are you a Patriots fan? I knew it. We can pray about that later, all right? <laughs> the children pick up, and they root for the team that their parents often root for. Don't make Felix a Cowboys fan, Ben, please. So, so the children, they don't even know half the rules of the game. They don't know all the, the ins and outs of what a clipping call is or you know, a touchback and all these different things, but they understand enough to know who's winning and who's losing. And they start to pick up on these things. And so it's important to have him in worship because they're getting the means of grace. And the Bible says this, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And how can they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So we want to put our children in the wake of the word of God preached. We want them to hear it, even though there's lots that's going over their heads. Number two, we want our children to see the sacraments. Some of our children actually didn't just see them, they actually felt them today. And we are weak and frail and, and feeble and we need something tangible. And the Bible holds out these, these tangible sacraments, what Augustine called the visible word that we could taste and see that the Lord is good. And we do communion twice a month and, and our children are in the midst of that. And in, in the Passover and the Exodus, Moses wanted the children to ask their parents, what's the significance of this? We want our children to, to see and, as they're, and, and, and even as the, you know, they're not allowed yet to take the bread and the juice, but we want them to say, well, why can't we take of the bread and the juice? Bingo, we wanna take precious opportunities during the service to pass on little things to our children. Hey guys, now we're gonna, we're gonna have an offering and here's the offering, I want you to put it in the plate. Hey guys, we're gonna pray now. Remember, let's, you know, and, and as the little elements come about in the service and even as communion, it's a great opportunity to remind them and to talk about it on the way home, but to talk about the very things that we're doing is a great opportunity to expose your children to the gospel. And it's also something that all of us get to participate in together. I draw great encouragement from the children of this church. They are such a blessing. And, to, and I love sitting in front of your family because your kids, they love to sing. And if I'm sitting in front of them, I mean, and I can hear them singing and Sharon just singing out, I'm like, that just lifts my spirit that I want to sing all the more. I'm like, they are unhindered worshipers and that I should be like that as well. We need that and they also need us. They need to see, wow, they really love God. Those, these adults are really serious about their faith and this is important. And here's the thing, it's obviously much easier to give our children candy than vegetables, isn't it? I mean, there's something about 
children, they love Skittles more than spinach. They love Mountain Dew more than milk. But which is actually better for them? And so, so much of, of the difficulties of, of parenting and, and is that our children, first of all, they expose us. Does anybody have perfect children here? I mean, when, when I, my, parent, my kids were young, in particular as a pastor, when they would mess up, and they would mess up sometimes. I mean, one time Haddon was, you don't mind me telling a story. We were young at the church, and, and during the nursery, the, the, we, we had some Winnie, what was it, a Pooh Bear or something? The Pooh Bear was, was bleeding out like the, those things that run away from you when you get near them, those little white things. They actually, you know, they just go everywhere, you know? It's like a beanbag thing that just, I mean, it was crazy. Well, so one of the deacons in our church came and got us to say the whole nursery area is completely white. I mean, when he saw how white it was, he looked up to the ceiling thinking the ceiling had collapsed. But as it started leaking, Haddon just started shaking it and, you know, just letting it fly. And so, and, and here we were just new to the church and being exposed that this is our child is making a mess in the nursery. Well, he got the privilege to clean it up as well and to get out the vacuum cleaner and learn how to use one of those too. Here's the thing, you guys. None of our families are perfect, and some of our kids are, have more energy than others, particularly if we have boys. Um, they're, they just seem to be like a little more precocious. We have to show grace to one another and to help each other. I was listening to a, um, at General Assembly, one of the guys that did a seminar on this talked about how a lady uh, was a single parent and she had several kids and her kids couldn't sit through the service but she wanted to be there. So another lady in the church who was an older lady said, I will make it my mission. I will sit with you every Sunday. And she sat with her and helped her get through the service every week and helped teach those children how to worship. Isn't that a beautiful picture of what the body of Christ is about? This is a generational thing. And the call to worship this morning was telling us, this is for two generations down the line. This is for children not even born yet. We're doing this so that th these children will rise up and tell the children not even born. So we're, what we're doing here is for two generations from now at least. So we have a big responsibility as a covenant family to be a part of this together. And some of that involves re, retweaking our thinking. If Jesus loves children, then, how, then it's gonna require some patience on us as to love them as well. Um, lastly, I'll just remind you that in the Old Testament, the church in the Old Testament, they were commanded to bring their children into worship. Listen to just a couple of these verses in closing. Joel 2.16. He says, gather the people, consecrate the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, even nursing infants. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Get those honeymooners out here and get them into the, into the sanctuary, he's saying, but also bring in the, the children, even the nursing infants. Bring them in, the elders, the congregation, the people. That's who's called to hear the word of God. Listen again, 2 Chronicles 20. Meanwhile, all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children, 
And the spirit of the Lord came upon Jeaziel, the son of Zechariah, son of Benaniah, son of Zethiel, son of Methaniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. And so the Lord comes down and visits them. And who is there? The little ones, the wives, the children, and the men, everybody. Joshua 8.35, when the covenant is renewed, it says, there was not a word of all that Moses commanded that Joshua did not read before all the assembly of Israel and the women and the little ones and the sojourners who lived among them. And so today it was a little different for us as a church to, uh, and we're gonna try doing this on the last Sunday of the month so that at least 12 times a year our littlest ones are hearing this story and they're seeing it by an example. But I would hope that the children's church is optional. If the parents the deem they want, to, want them in here, we need to be fine with that as a church. Now, if they do get too loud, then you know, we have the, the training room, but we're gonna need to be patient and we're gonna need to be gracious to one another, but I'm hoping that what we're doing is being driven by what the scriptures are telling us to do and not by what the world says we should do because the world says segregate everybody. Middle schoolers should only be with middle schoolers and high schoolers should only be with high schoolers and kids should only be with kids. And what we have a lot is a mutual pooling of ignorance. And we need the generations to speak to one another. And sometimes, I mean, we were talking about this as the elders, and Scott was telling us, Scott Nelson was saying, he can remember, you know, growing up, and there'd be a couple times where, and, you know, not his mother or father would be shushing him. You know, part of the church, hey, you know, you need to be quiet, you know. And sometimes the, the, the covenant family was doing its work together. And we need that together as the body. So we need to be patient need to be gracious, but let's remember, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for your example, your life, laying down your life for us. Thank you that you're a humble king, and we thank you that you love the children. And so, Lord, we ask that you would renew our love as the family of God for all the people. And we thank you for this privilege to sit under your word today. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.